Nothing's working except my big machine. <laughs> you sound great. <laughs> Our episode number four. Uh, we're going to be doing state of the market today, along with uh, answering some of the most frequently asked questions that we're getting um, in in real estate over the past couple weeks. Uh, so first and foremost, want to welcome Dave Magua. Dave, how are you? Hey, Matt, good and you. How are you doing? Good, man. This is exciting. It's our fourth podcast episode. <laughs> Absolutely. And gee, what's this? Things are changing almost by the week here. Yep. Well, hopefully we're able to add some value and keep people updated. And that's what this is all about. So, uh, so tell me a little bit about your week. It's been a week since we did our last podcast. What have you, uh, what you've seen? Wow. This has been a, a very, very vibrant week. A lot of activity going on. Um, I've been out um, doing quite a few listing presentations and, and dealing with, with people looking to sell their property and a lot of people looking to purchase that one need to purchase here and now. And most of those folks have been between like 100 and the 600 mark. And most of those homes that we're looking at, if they are well-priced, are getting a ton of activity in the sense of yeah. it's almost like a Burger King at the moment, Matt. You know, I'd, I'd arrive there and I'd, I'd have to line up for an opportunity just to show uh, the customer the property. And with that, we, that we've had a ton of uh, multiple offers coming in on those properties. That's pretty much what I'm seeing. I did see something that is starting to affect the marketplace. These multiple offers and these executed contracts that probably took place in the last 15 days. Now, I've got these guys that I'm dealing with every day trying to find these specific properties in, in these areas. So we've seen property and it's gone under contract within 24 hours. And this could have been five to 15 days ago, 30 to 40% of those homes I'm seeing coming back in the market. Yeah. So, so I think you're feeling the same thing. It's like the market hasn't been able to catch up with, with, with the, the buyer demand and the price that the buyer is prepared to pay is not indicative of the last 90 to 120 or 180 days of closed sales. So these things are not, being able to close and appraise, and they're coming back on the market. I would say that is probably the biggest thing I've seen over this week. Yeah, it's. Uh, I got a text message from a property that, well, actually, you know what? Let me rewind, rewind a bit. So last Friday, <clears throat> last Friday, I had a really good friend of mine and his wife, and uh, they just had a beautiful new baby boy, and they're looking for something that's got a little bit more yard. Uh, they're looking for something with a pool, uh, a little bit more square footage as their family's growing, so on and so forth. Um, so um, I set up on Friday night four really nice properties for them to go look at in the basically like the high 400 range. So like, let's say 480 up to about 600 is kind of where they want to be. So Friday night, I make these appointments through showing time um, and they all go through. And I made them for Sunday afternoon. We were going to go Sunday afternoon at about three o'clock. And by sun, by the time Sunday afternoon came at three o'clock, three out of the four had gone under contract yeah. between Amazing. Friday and Saturday. So I'm seeing kind of the same things. Um, you know, when the property is priced right um, and it's well conditioned and, you know, it's marketed well and the pictures are nice. 
um, you know, and it's got a nice video walkthrough or 3D tours or some of these other nice things where people can kind of see it without having to go to it, uh, that these properties are selling within 24 to 48 hours. Um, so that was one example that I had during the week. Then I had another uh, new cl customer client that I had never met before called me up and she wanted to uh, look in Grand Isles in Wellington. It's out west, uh, just west of 441 on Lake Worth. It's a really nice community called Grand Isles, priced really between about 350 and 500 uh, on the high end. And she sends me two listings. So I look the listings up and one of them is currently under contract. The other one's showing active. I call the agent to set an appointment and uh, she says she's already got multiple offers and the seller's deciding which offer she's going to accept this day. So I'm like, all right, well, both of those are gone. Let me go into the subdivision and do a search and see what's in there. So I jump in there and I come up with nine properties that are uh, actively on the market. And out of the nine, six of them are either in contingent, pending or backup. So in other words, they're all already under contract. That's amazing. So really, really, um, you know, crazy quick movement from a buying standpoint in that price range that you had said. Um, so I started doing some research during the week too, and in, in relation to like kind of forecast and, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, a lot of these experts have adjusted their forecast, uh, from a down market through the next, uh, through the end of the year to now they're forecasting, uh, home prices projected to continue and appreciation of the real estate market. So one of the quotes from a CEO, Ivy Zellman of Zellman and Associates quoted, you know, the housing market will fare better than expected during a severe downturn. So again, adjusting it to better. Um, Diana Olick from CNBC quoted mortgage demands from home buyers show unexpectedly strong and quick recovery. The quick recovery surprised most forecasters. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, the housing market has come back quicker and stronger than a lot of people really uh, thought it would. And then some of these projections that have just really been adjusted through the next year or two from like Fannie Mae, they went from uh, a forecast of, of negative appreciation in, and a down market to uh, to kind of an even stable market throughout the end of the year. And then 2021, they're forecasting plus 2.1% in price appreciation. Um, the National Association of Realtors is forecasting plus 4% price appreciation through the rest of the year. And then 2021, a little bit down from that, but still in the positive of plus 2%. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of data and a lot of uh, these big companies are and big organizations are readjusting their forecast to uh, uh, to a positive. And I think a lot of that, too, comes, you know, from some of the data we've seen over the last um, probably week or so. So during the week, we had the employment unemployment report come in. Um, and although that for that that number was bad at 13.3 percent. Um, it was still way better than uh, most economists and had forecasted. So yeah. they forecasted roughly um, uh, a loss of 8.3 million jobs, according to the Wall Street Journal. So they had forecasted a loss of 8.3 million jobs 
for the latest unemployment report. And it actually came up as um, we added 2.5 million jobs. So, you know, you're talking about, a uh, you know, a 10 million job discrepancy between those two yeah. forecasts, between the forecast and what uh, really happened from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and that's huge because now yeah. you're looking at 87.7 percent of people are actually employed uh, and 13.3 are un- unemployed. Yeah. You know, I, I saw those numbers and, and, and the discrepancy is huge. It's not even a couple percent. And I thought about that for a bit and I thought maybe one of the reasons is that um, all that PPP money that's been used and utilized by all these small businesses now have to actually get those guys back to work or they're going to lose that money. So I'm sure a lot of that that that, that number or percentage that we're seeing of people going back to work were probably people that were furloughed that have to go back to work or their companies are not going to get that money and it's going to fall through. So I see that happening, but definitely uh, just looking around uh, as we drive around, you can see people are back at work and things are happening. So that is absolutely vibrant. And I think things are definitely moving forward. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so where are those jobs coming from? I think, you know, if you've been been out and about in the last couple months, uh, the food and service industry is the number one place where these jobs are coming back. That was plus one point four million. You know, so that was a big chunk of it, Uh, you know, and then there's some areas that are still a little bit down, like, uh, you know, government reported that they're still down five hundred and eighty five thousand jobs. So. Um, so there's still some areas that haven't bounced back yet, but, you know, the service industry, uh, the retail industry was another big one that bounced back at 424,000 jobs coming back. Uh, a lot of these jobs were probably furloughed when you think of like the service and food and, and retail industry. Uh, and then as things have been opening in May and now into June, uh, those have made a pretty strong comeback. Absolutely. And especially down here in South Florida, that uh, the service industry is our business. So a lot of those those hotels, those restaurants, everything is back up and going. And I won't say running at full speed, but they're definitely up and going. Yep. So I think uh, that plays into it a little bit. Um, you know, so uh, as far as other things that I've been seeing now, um, you know, buy, buying, you know, you've got to be really set up and positioned well to buy. Um, you know, so you've got to be pre-approved. Uh, you know, the stronger you can make it, the better. So if you can get through, uh, un, you know, a DU approval and already have the credit check already done ahead of time, all of that is going to make your offer much stronger. So that as you go into a multiple offer situation, um, you know, the stronger you can present that offer, uh, you know, the better chance you're going to have, have to winning it. Absolutely. You've got to come in completely ready, willing and able and, and put your best foot forward on these ones. If you don't, you're not going to get them. Yeah. And I think like, you know, there's a lot of rumors out there and speculation. I've had some people, you know, uh, you know, saying, you know, well, you know, I'm just going to throw in a low ball offer and, you know, try and get it as I feel, you know, not based on any kind of data whatsoever. Just, I feel like the market is, is down, uh, which is totally not true. And, you know, if you're looking to move and, and you want a house, um, you know, you got to come in really, really strong right now. Otherwise, you're not going to get it. There's just too many other offers out there. Um, 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to go over some other data that we're seeing. Um, I know last time on the sale, we talked about listings. Um, you know, so listings are up. Um, you know, so May of 2019, last year, we had 2,886 listings. May of 2020, uh, that has gone up to 3,289 listings. Um, so a big increase uh, month over or year over year. Uh, nationwide listings, there's an increase of 19.3% month over month. That's, uh, that's nationwide. Um, pending sales. Uh, we had 2,339 pending sales uh, for the month of May. And then in June, we're up to uh, 1,268 already. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's only 10 or 11 days into June. Uh, showing time data. So June of last year, uh, we had, you know, through the first 10 days, 48,009 uh, showings. And then June of 2020, uh, we're ahead of that. It's 53,734 showings uh, in South Florida directly from showing time. So that's an increase of 12% as well. So that's amazing. You yeah. Know, you're taking into consideration that, that this, is, this is our prime selling time here in South Florida, especially in the Western areas where, where it's, everything is driven by school district. So when you're comparing last year as a, as a normal year without any weird and wonderful stuff happening, and those numbers are lower than what they are today, you better believe something's happening in the marketplace and people are moving forward very quickly. Yep. And then you combine all of that activity for buying and purchasing, right? And then look at the, uh, the absorption rate and the supply of inventory. So uh, in Palm Beach County, we're looking at 4.1% is currently kind of where we're at. Uh, Broward County, we're looking even lower at 39 uh, Year over year for Palm Beach County, that number is down 21.8% in inventory. And Broward is down 15.2% in inventory. So, you know, it just comes back to the basic fundamental laws of economics and supply and demand. When the supply is lower and the demand is higher, which is exactly what all of these numbers are translating into, Mm -hmm. um, it's going to create multiple offer situations, uh, a seller's market and um, and, you know, price appreciation, you know, low supply, high demand means prices are going to continue to go up. Um, So that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Absolutely. It's exactly what the market's saying and, and telling us. So how long do you think this is going to last? And this is not a crystal ball situation because we kind of guess we have data and everything, but we all got a different view of it. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, look, I think, uh, I think probably what you're seeing uh, or what in the research that I've done, you know, has a little bit more of an optimistic forecast than what I personally think is going to take place. Um, You know, I feel like we talked about a little bit on our last uh, podcast with the uh, forbearance, you know, which uh, that report also came out this week. So forbearances are ten percent of mortgages are in forbearance currently across the nation. Nation, yeah, that is a huge number. Yeah, so that's one out of one out of every ten people that has a mortgage and that could have gone into forbearance and met the requirements is in it. Um, 
you know, and again, does that mean they're going to all foreclose at the end of the forbearance? Absolutely not. You know, they could just be taking taking advantage of the time to get back on their feet and while their businesses are getting back up and running and, you know, and who knows, right? Uh, but I do feel like some of that will come into play six to 12 months down, down the road, depending on what your uh, bank has approved you for. And that will bring some extra supply onto the market in the future. Um, I also think as the unemployment piece where, you know, some folks out there are potentially making more money on unemployment than they are, uh, you know, going back to work uh, when those government programs go away. Um, I think that you will see the supply of homes increase even more, uh, which then will, you know, probably six, 12 months, maybe even a little bit longer, 14 months. Uh, we'll start seeing all this stuff come into play, uh, some of it closer, six months down the road, others of it maybe 12 or 14 months down the road or even a little bit longer. But once all that stuff starts coming into play, I do think we'll have a little bit of a market correction. Uh, and a little bit of a downturn in the market. But look, at the end of the day, Dave, like honestly, history has shown that real estate is probably one of the safest, best investments that you can make long term. So in other words, if you're, um, if you're going to be in your house and you're going to put money into real estate, as long as you're keeping it more than five, 10, 15 years, whatever that number is, like even probably four or five years, it's a great investment. You know, it's probably the number one investment that you could make long term. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at this America's top four choices for long term investing. Real estate is number one currently, stocks number two, savings account number three, and then gold is number four. So, um, you know, so that's kind of what I think. How about you? What do you think is going to happen probably in the next, you know, six to 12, 15 months? Well, I've been looking at data and I've been talking to a couple of people and reading a lot of articles about it. One thing that, that, that I did read yesterday that came up, and, and these are the most up-to-date figures, and, and please understand this is not localized to South Florida. This is nationwide. Yep. 30% of Americans missed their June housing payment. That's wow. That's more than the one in ten. It's now three in ten. Yep. Now the now what this means it's it's kind of like a two edged sword. Um, are they missing um, because they are financially tight, or are they missing because we have a bailout? And that's pretty much what what we have going on right now. They can defer their payments um, almost up to twelve months right now without it touching their their credit score it just increases their mortgage to the back end. So maybe right. they're feeling a little uneasy and they're using the tool to maybe push a little into the future to feel and see how things are going to play itself out. But the, this is going to affect us because most times, and, I, and unfortunately I've been through four of these terms, when people start to not pay, they start to fall behind. Two things happen. The, the psychology changes and it messes up the way they think. And the second thing that happens is that a lot of people can't catch up. And when there's a slight market correction and suddenly you haven't paid your $1,000 a month mortgage for 12 months and now your mortgage is 12000 plus compounded interest on the back end and the market has dipped a little bit, not even 1% or 2%, 
those FHA, VA, all those loans in the lower end under the $514,000 mark start to get affected. And that might cause some movement in the, in the future, not the near future, but definitely into the future of next year. I'm guessing fall of next year. I have a question for you, Dave, um, on that topic. So do you, do you really foresee a big influx of, look, foreclosures happen all the time, right? They happen in a good market. They happen in a bad market. I mean, I, we, we see them all the time. Do you foresee having a huge influx in foreclosures? Or do you think because people have so much equity in their homes now that it won't be a, forecl- a huge foreclosure situation? It'll just be a, a big inventory or big supply of houses coming on the market. What do you what do you think? I, I think this time around, you will definitely not see what we saw between 2007 and 2011. Um, there's a couple of things that have changed. The first thing is that the lenders themselves and their services have systems in play already to, to kind of control and get this thing to run itself out without exploding all this inventory onto the market. So that won't happen again. That's, that's one. Two, I don't think... Um, that the banks are going to want to foreclose. They're going to do everything in their power to control that. And that's one of the things you saw with the Fed talking yesterday. But they've already kind of said, don't even think about increasing um, that, that, that rate. They're going to stick to that rate until they see the market improve. So they're going to be able to control this situation way better than what we had before. The other one was, don't forget as well, we had a very, very, very huge increase in inflation in values between 1999 and 2006. We haven't really had that. Even though we've had great years in 16, 17, 18, and most of 19, it's not unrealistic. So I don't get to that stage, which is great. Yeah, me neither. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. All right, so um, let's go over some of the top questions that we've been getting in our emails and that I've been getting while out in the field. So um, I think the biggest one that I've probably been getting, which is, uh, is it a good time to sell? Yeah, I get that every day, at least four or five times a day. So my, my, my side of looking at that is I believe that as a seller, in South Florida right now, we have, as sellers, a reprieve. Really, if you look at the, the data prior to COVID and you see how things were actually moving, things were starting to slow down. Days on market were increasing. The luxury market had already started seeing huge discounts in, in their closed prices. So there was definitely a movement downward. But what has happened is, as that thing was kind of going down the river, the river stopped running, and that was COVID-19. Now, they put a wall up, and the wall is COVID-19, and all the, the water is now building up, building up. So, And now they're opening that river up again, and now you're getting that flow of buyers. So you've got this pent-up demand, number one, and you've got this interest rate that is absolutely ridiculous. You know, I've done this for over 30 years, and I've never seen an interest rate in the low threes and stay in the low threes for so long. It's just amazing. What an opportunity as buyer to take. So, yes, do I say, uh, is it a good time to sell? Yes, because the buyers have interest rate on their side. 
and there's a, there's a lot of them buying right now. So take the opportunity as the seller and move forward. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like if you have uh, people that might be relocating out of Miami or Fort Lauderdale or downtown West Palm Beach to go to more of a rural situation, um, yeah, absolutely, right? It's a, kind of a no-brainer. The market is, um, you know, at its pinnacle right now. Um, you know, so I, I think, is it a good time to sell? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny that when you think about that question, you know, you could say yes to that answer probably or yes to that question probably most all of the last two or three years. But now it's really a good time to sell. If you're thinking about selling within the next couple of years, now is the time to do it. Because as that extra supply of inventory comes on, maybe in six months or 12 months uh, down the road, you're going to have more competition. You won't have that multiple offer situation. If interest rates go up a, a bit, the buyers won't have as much buying power or maybe be willing to buy. So, yeah, I absolutely believe it's probably one of the best times to probably sell with what I'm seeing out there in the market. You know, if somebody is downsizing or maybe upsizing, you know, you're going to pay maybe a little bit of a premium to, you know, get that downsize or maybe get that upsized property, but you're also going to be selling at a premium. So you're going to have this pricing parity, which, you know, what you may be paying a little bit extra in premium for on your upgrade, you're going to get that premium on the one that you're selling potentially. So if you're selling one to either downgrade or upgrade, then yeah, I absolutely believe like it's a really good time to do it. Um, what about like people, Dave, that maybe, maybe you're thinking about selling and grabbing their equity and then potentially going into a rental situation. Okay. Now, now we kind of have to go to, if you're thinking macro nationwide, it's a little different to South Florida because South Florida right now has a serious issue when it comes to rent. Um, our rental market would usually be at around about a dollar fifty to about a dollar ninety a square foot. We are exceeding that right now for the last twenty-four months, and it hasn't slowed down. So this yeah. is kind of, it's kind of like a catch twenty-two. Um, if you can get your money out and you can get a fairly good rental for a period of twelve to twenty-four months, I would absolutely say yes, do it without a shadow of a doubt. Um, the reason I say that is because I know for well, well, crystal ball for sure that that market is going to change. There's no doubt. The second thing that I do know is that the interest rate isn't going to change in the next 12 to 24 months. So you're right. not going to lose on your leverage. So if you can get your money out, move on. And a perfect example of this is the luxury market. Just got to look at the numbers. Why have those folks already released and closed their property out and why are they not buying in a hurry because they're doing exactly what we're saying they're sitting with their, their their finances ready willing and able for that deal to come up which it will come up when it does yeah so in other words selling at the height or, or the pinnacle of the market holding off for maybe 6 12 18 months and then buying at a little bit lower rate potential, right? And again, we don't have a crystal ball, but, you know, that's what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be, you're going to have to be over 12 months. It will be next fall. 
where you're going to start to see the things start to rumble a little bit, and the true that the true effects of of, of this this shutdown really start affecting us. And when a lot of those government programs start to run out, and people have to go back to work and really start getting back to really paying the real numbers for stuff, then I really believe you're going to see it. But right now, we're in Disney World. Yeah, I mean, just from a monetary standpoint, I can totally understand uh, selling, grabbing your equity, renting for a little while, and then purchasing maybe in a year or two from now. Um, Makes total sense. I mean, for me personally, I like living in a house and having my own house, um, you know, so that's just my personal preference, but I could totally understand if people wanted to do that. It makes makes sense. What about uh, investment properties? So you have maybe an investor that's got a property that they're airbnb or, you know, maybe using it as a um, annual rental. Um, you know, what would your, you think it's, you know, maybe a good time for them to sell or what are your thoughts well, there? It's two pieces to that again. Um, the Airbnb model, I would not take that and keep running those exact um, return on investment numbers. It kind of could get dangerous because that could change again with, with the next epidemic that might be around the corner and that closes you down. But if you change that model to maybe an, an annual type rental and the numbers work, you can't go wrong because the rental market here, the annual rental market is very, very strong. So instead of you thinking of getting that quick return on Airbnb, I would absolutely steer away from that because there's too much volatility of the unknown moving into the future. Right. So let's, uh, okay, so that's from a selling standpoint. We went over some specific maybe examples of, uh, you know, depending on what kind of situation you're in and kind of maybe where to go or what to do. How about uh, for, for a buyer? You know, one of the other questions I'm getting is, you know, should I buy now? Um, you know, we can maybe run through a couple of the same examples. So let's do like maybe buying versus renting now. Should I buy a house or should I rent a house? Again, same thing. Um, if you if you are going to be staying in a neighborhood or an area for a long term, and when I say long term, five plus years, it does not make sense not to buy. Just just be, yeah. we, there's great tools uh, that are available to us uh, where we can actually help you as the buyer kind of hold the, the, the mortgage rate at what it is today with all these new lenders without you having to find a property until you find the property. That's going to save us time so you don't worry about the interest rate. Rather do that than, than rent. There's no doubt because the inventory is very, very scarce. So if you find something in a neighborhood where you want to be, be it school district orientated or near the, the water, depending what, what your, your, your lifestyle is about, I would, without a shadow of a doubt, take that opportunity right now, especially with the leverage amount that you're getting today. That money is for free. Yeah. What about, uh, you know, maybe from a monthly payment standpoint, because a lot of people, like when they buy cars, they're buying homes, it's all about the mortgage or maybe the car payment or so on and so forth. So, you know, if you're looking at like the same $300,000 house, you know, from a rental standpoint versus a buying standpoint, and maybe 300 is unrealistic, let's say $400,000 house, um, 
you know, from a renting and a buying standpoint, what would your recommendation be for, from a monthly payment standpoint? Okay. So that, that let's talk a $400,000 house. That probably is going to get you a nice three bedroom, maybe a four bedroom. Um, so you know for sure that you're going to be sitting at at least twenty-two to $2,800 per month. From a, from a purchase, from a oh, buying no, That would be probably on the rental side. Okay, so that's but rent. Here's okay. where the catch comes in. Um, you will probably get it at almost the same price if you own it right now. That's a buy being with, with a very low down payment. I'm not talking 20 and 30 and 40% down payments. I'm talking maybe just a, an FHA or something with a 10% down where your leverage is a little bit higher, your mortgage amount is higher. But the catch is, catch is this. That rental that you're paying every month is not tax deductible. So you're right. going to think you're okay because you're not really paying for maintenance and a whole bunch of things. But at the end of the year, when you do your, your, your taxes, you can't write off a lot of the stuff that you have if you're an owner. And when you put the two together, the differentiation is huge. It, it doesn't, when you see it that way, it makes sense only to buy. Right. What if, uh, okay, so that's buying versus renting. What if, uh, you know, you're trading up or potentially trading down? I think that maybe falls into the same category as if you're selling and trading up or trading totally down. Totally right? agree. And, and again, if you have to, do it. Don't forget, if, you, if, you, if it's a trade up, trade down, you've got to do it on the same timeline. If you, if you, if you don't do it on the same timeline, you're not really going to get the same benefit. The difference is that we right. do expect a slowdown in 16 to 20 months from now. So if you're able to sell now and have the idea of to do a trade up or a, or a downsize and still hold, you're going to be in a better position. But again, the problem we have in South Florida is so unique. We don't have inventory. And if something yeah. comes up, you need to be able to act upon that, that, that property very, very quickly. So make yourself yeah. available and ready. All right. So I'm going to throw uh, a little bit of a tougher one here, right? The other ones have been a little bit of softball. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a client of yours and I'm transitioning and my company's transferring me down to, a, to work from Chicago down to Palm Beach County. And the plan for the company is to only be here for a year and a half or two years. And then they're transferring me back to Chicago. Uh, <laughs> happens every day. Actually, it's, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good question because we were talking about how many homes actually sold virtually over the last 90 days. And if you look at statistics, a lot of those, those transactions that took place were, were top executives who were able to um, do the relocation and, and actually purchase a property without even viewing it. The catch is this. If your relocation package allows for certain criteria to cover um, the sale and all those closing costs to buy and to sell, that you're actually going to come out okay. But if they do not cover that, especially here in Palm Beach, an example in Palm Beach is when we close on a house in Palm Beach, your closing cost, give or take, 
is about 8% of the purchase price. When you purchase, it's probably three to maybe four, depending on your mortgage. So now you're talking about eight plus four, now you're talking 12%. So that means there's, you have to have an escalation in value of 12% in that short period of the two years. It's just not gonna happen. So if your company and your relocation company covers it, it will take up that slack or loss, you'll be fine. If not, think twice. Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree. If you're looking to probably only own for one, two, maybe to three or four years, then, you know, maybe thinking twice or depending on your personal situation and, and what the company terms of the relocations are, uh, you know, definitely consult with a professional to figure out what your best course of Absolutely. action would be. You're, you're, um, you're, uh, I'm, I'm talking out of turn here, but uh, our team, including yourself, uh, are completely trained in the relocation market. And we can actually put that onto a data feed for you so you can kind of see if it's even worthwhile doing that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about a buyer that's an investor. So should I invest now? Okay, invest. What do you mean? Are you talking short-term investment or long-term investment? Uh, let's give a couple, I'll throw a couple examples out at you. So, um, uh, I'm a remodeler and a flipper and I've seen all the shows on HGTV, uh, and I'm looking for a okay. flip property. Always. And, and, and the first and foremost rule that when you're talking about flipping is, is nothing really to do with what you're going to do to it and what the upgrades are. It's how you purchase it on day one. So if you purchase it correctly, and when I say correctly, it's got to be at the right price. And, and okay. now more than ever, when you purchase a property to flip, you've got to make sure that you, you can see the upturn, but know as well that that upturn is time sensitive and make sure that you're able to do the upgrades that you want in a timely manner to make sure that it comes onto market and has the time to sell before things change. Right now, what I'm seeing, and I'm, I'm sitting with two of those right now where I was the buyer's agent. I saw one today, which I'm actually showing in Pompano Beach area. They paid 358, and that was in January of this year, and they're trying to get 400 for it. No movement. There's a second one that we showed yesterday, and that was sitting at 487,000. They paid 380 about 12 months ago, did work to it. It's been on the market almost 180 days. Mm. So you've got to be very careful how you purchase. Now, those guys purchased at the high. And now there's just not enough in it to make it feasible. So you've got to be very careful how you purchase right now if you're flipping. Yeah, I mean, I, I would totally agree. I think uh, from a flipping standpoint, you've got a very, very small window to Absolutely. get it done, right? So you find your property, which has got to be a really solid, strong deal. Um, and you're able to close within 15 to 30 days, you know, maybe 40 at most. Uh, you're able to do that flipping work, whatever needs to be done to the property within a month or two you know, maybe three months at most and be right back out on the market, uh, you know, to, to sell and make a, a profit within a total of about four, four months. 
maybe five months, then, then yeah, I'd say if you can find that perfect situation, then yeah, totally. you should invest. Pre-COVID, we used to work on a, on a, a six-month turnaround. That was from the time that you got your, your certificate of title on your investment and all the way to getting a check at closing. When it started mm-hmm. to exceed six months, then you started to lose money because then there's a lot of holding costs. Um, I'm not even talking about market change, just holding costs that affect, affect the asset. Sure, of course. Yeah. Yep. What if, uh, what if uh, I'm an investor and now I'm looking for maybe some type of rental situation or passive income property? Um, you know, it's not going to be my primary residence. Uh, you know, should yes, I invest absolutely. now? Absolutely. But again, it's also going to be location-based as well. Um, you've got to have a professional who knows the areas and, and has access to great data to see where the demand is. If there's a, an area of demand, buy into the demand area. And in most cases, it's usually going to be around maybe a price point, um, which equates to a price per month that somebody can afford so that it opens the market, or school district. Mm-hmm. That's what drives values, especially here in the west sections of, of uh, South Florida. If you have that, you can't go wrong. There is no doubt in my mind, especially if you buy something, but again, you're going to have to buy it right. You can't go into buying a property and start putting in a lot of money into it. So you start replacing roofs and air conditioners and, and lots of upgrades. Then the passive is going mm-hmm. to be pretty much negative for many years to come until uh, that rental goes up. So you've got to buy right again, just like you you and I were talking about. When people look, one of the things they look at right now, just the normal buyer, they're looking for the home with all the upgrades done. Right. So, yes, that's the way you would buy it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, similar to maybe what we talked about from a regular purchase. You know, if it's a passive income property that you're looking to purchase um, and, you know, it's meeting the cap rate that you would like to kind of make uh, on it, uh, which actually let's talk about that in just a minute. Um, And then the third thing, I think, is if you're going to have the property more than four or five years and it's going to be a long term passive income property, then. Yeah, I would say, yeah, it's, it's really safe to probably invest in a passive income property now. Uh, cap rates, Dave, um, you know, I know with our investors, we were looking for certain cap rates coming into COVID. Do you think anything really changes that? In the residential that? marketplace, I do feel that they, as investors, are more adverse to risk now than they have been. So they probably would like to kind of see more of, of a higher return on investment. But if if you could be netting in the vicinity of somewhere between 8 and 12% net after all expenses, including property insurance, taxes, maintenance, uh, your leverage, you, that's a good deal compared to anything out there right now. Kind of look at the, the stock market in the last three days, the volatility of it today, you're up, to the, uh, tomorrow you're down. This kind of thing, you know for sure that, it's going to keep as long as the property has the work done to it. So you don't have those up days and down days in real estate. And the up day and down day, I mean, you replace a roof, 20,000, or replace an air conditioner, 5,000, 
that's the up day volatility. If all those things are good and you keep keep that property in good condition, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I think uh, you know, for for both of the kind of investors, whether it's flippers or passive income um, uh, properties, I think you know it is probably a little bit more risky. Yeah right right now than it was maybe before uh and that they should probably look for a little totally. bit of a higher capital and in the same breath you know I, I mentioned there's two areas maybe the kind of like the school district based properties or the ones that are maybe at a lower rental amount now myself as a passive investor i would kind of steer away from the lower price point rental the reason is because a lot mm -hmm. of those guys over the last 90 days, guess what happened? They lost their jobs. Whereas maybe in the, in the school district areas, it might be a little bit more of a more solid-based tenant. That might be a, a right. safer risk. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, and the last one that we'll talk about as far as, you know, is it a good time to purchase? Let's talk a little bit about commercial real estate. Um, you know, so what are your thoughts on purchasing commercial real estate okay. at the moment? I am very negative in most parts of commercial real estate, especially retail office space. Um, the new normal has not started really. It's starting to affect us. We're definitely seeing high, high vacancy rates. You just got to drive around your, your shopping centers, look at your buildings. You're going to just see it everywhere you go. The smaller type mom and pop retail stores where you don't have these big boxes in there, that still could be good. Industrial, very good. Warehouse with a little bit of office space, which is like the small businessman type um, commercial. No problem at all. You'll be very, very strong there. Any any difference between maybe short-term commercial and long-term commercial? Remember, commercial is pretty much based on, on the property's depreciation and the return on investment that you're getting on your rent. So you don't kind of keep those for too long anyway because uh, the functionality runs out and you lose your tax benefits. Um, you got you can't do it for a short term. You've got to do it for its depreciation period if you want to do it right. And again, you've got to purchase it right so that you can take take full advantage of, of the tax benefits that you're going to get out of the property as well as the return on investment. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I also think that it really depends on you know, your commercial real estate, you know, what business you might be putting in there, if it's for you personal, um, you know, there's lots of businesses that post COVID are, are uh, starting to really flourish, like these sanitation businesses and um, things of that nature. So if you can, if your business is trending up, um, and then you can get a piece of property that might not be linked commercially to this big, huge plaza, um, you know, then maybe, you know, a small commercial real estate, you know, might be a good purchase. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that, you know, you're going to see probably some of the, um, some of these bigger plazas 
kind of start to have these uh, these bays that empty out and you'll see, you know, opportunities to purchase and and lease in those plazas because they'll have totally a bunch agree. of vacancies and coming and up. And don't forget, uh, through the last 90 days, a lot of these, these huge, um, call it commercial real estate buildings, a lot of those mortgages are, are, are delinquent right now. And we're talking billions upon billions, and they have to now go through almost a new refinancing or, or restructure. So there's a lot of pressure right now on the commercial real estate market right now. Yeah. Uh, any other questions that you've get, been getting in the last week or two from buyers or sellers or anybody else in regards to real estate um, that you might want to talk about? Yeah, that we I haven't think we've about? covered everything. Do you want to buy? Do you want to sell? Is it a good time or isn't it? What do you think of the uh, it, it, one question that came up yesterday, which, which is pretty makes sense. Let me go over it. Um, People always look at the stock market and we always do, and we'll use it as one of the indicators. And the volatility of what we've had over the last six months has been amazingly out of control. The ups and downs, it's worse than any roller coaster. So usually something's coming, we all know that. And we had one of these when dot-com started to affect the market. And it's actually a benefit if you're in the real estate business. Because when that marketplace, the stock marketplace starts to get very volatile, you've got to move that asset. Just like you said, Matt, the number one choice of, of investment even today is still real estate. But as that other volatility in the stock market starts to get more, you're going to see more money infiltrating into real estate. And actually, one of the bigger companies that, that, that is involved in real estate purchases and is a company called Blackstone. And they are seriously moving forward to purchase more single-family residential for rental purposes because they know the return is going to be great over the years to come. All right. Uh, well, obviously, once again, thank you for all of your time. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm sure the listeners do as well and, and all of your wisdom. If uh, anybody wants to get in contact Best way to contact me contact would you? be at my direct telephone number, 754 581-5077 or uh, via email Dave Magua M-A-G-U-A at Kyes K-E-Y-E-S dot com All right, cool. Thank you. And uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me directly, my phone number is 954-295-7540 and my email is Matt, M-A-T-T, Gelling, G-E-L-L-I-N-G, at Kyes, K-E-Y-E-S, dot com. Hey, guys. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the South Florida Real Estate Radio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got some great information out of it. Please leave us a rating. Please leave us a review. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. What are your big questions around real estate? Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye.